Hello friends, Tom here. From wherever you are tuning in, I just want to welcome you. Before we jump into today's message, uh, we're actually going to be starting a new series today. But before we jump into that, um, I just wanted to give a quick update on where we're at regarding gathering for worship on Sundays. Um, now, here's where, we're, here's where we're at. There's three things, kind of three criteria that we need to meet um, to be able to gather on Sundays. We're still kind of in limbo with Margarita Middle School um, and, and using the facility. We love our relationship with them. Uh, in a perfect world, we would jump back into using the school and, and go back to the way things were regarding in that regard. Um, but we're still in limbo with them. So here's our three criteria, just so everyone knows of where we're at in terms of when we can gather again on Sundays. The first one is we need a facility. Uh, we need a space to gather. Uh, for those of you who have spent any time in the Temecula Valley during the summer months, you know that it gets pretty hot. So outside can be a challenge at times. And specifically with our second piece of criteria is we need a safe and effective um, space for kids, for children. Uh, they are uh, an incredibly important part of our church, of our church family, of our community. And um, so having a facility that is, that is, that has, that is capable uh, for us to gather, not just as a church family, as adults, but as children as well. So a safe and effective place for kids to be cared for and discipled intentionally as we, as adults gather and integrated into our gathering. So facility, safe place for kids. And the third thing is just simply the green light from God. Okay. Those are the three criteria that we are waiting on for us to be able to gather on Sunday mornings. If that happens, if we get a green light on all three of those things in the next 48 hours, we're going we're gonna to gather. Um, if it's the next month, we'll, we'll figure it out. Two months, we don't know. There's a lot of variables here. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to provide content digitally and virtually on YouTube and on the, um, on the church website, on the podcast and all that. Um, gospel communities are responsibly um, connecting in various different ways, both in person and virtually, depending on the needs of each community. Uh, so I want to encourage you to continue to connect with your gospel community. If you, if, you, if you aren't connected to a gospel community, please reach out to us. The best way to do that is at the church's website, RestoredTemecula.com. Okay? If, you, if, you, if you're lacking community and that's something that you're craving in this season, we'd love to help facilitate that in a responsible um, way for you. Okay. So all that being said, today, special day, because like I mentioned earlier, we are beginning a new series and this series, there's a lot of intentionality behind this series, and we're entitling this series, Teach Us to Pray, okay? And what we'll be doing in this series, we'll be looking at the Lord's Prayer, primarily in Matthew chapter 6, but also in Luke chapter 11. They're, they're, they're two different accounts, but the same thing, the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer, and if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, you know how beautiful it is. You know how amazing it is. It's, it's basically the greatest teaching that's ever been given on prayer. And it comes from the mouth of Jesus himself. And this, this series, uh, it has a goal. Okay, we're not just kind of, oh, what should we do? Let's just do a series on, on prayer. No, there's intentionality behind this. Uh, there's a goal with this series. And the goal with this series is to prepare us for something. It's to prepare us for where I am convinced and believe wholeheartedly where God is taking us as a church family. And that is 
more intimacy with him, more and more closeness with him. Now, at the time of this recording, we are still in the thick of COVID-19. And, and many of you know how this has kind of flipped everything upside down and it's been disorienting and challenging and frustrating and all the different emotions that go along with it. But COVID-19, has, it, it has affected every aspect of life, including and especially our spirituality. And I believe that the, the impacts of, of this season of facing this pandemic, I believe it's going to impact, I believe it's going to, it's going to result in one of two results, like one of two scenarios for the church at large. Okay. The first would be the option of taking steps closer to God. And the second would be taking steps further away from him. I really believe that's what's happening in this hour, in this moment in history especially in the church, is people taking steps closer to God or people kind of fading back, making small little compromises and drifting away. And I believe that God is actually using the circumstances and the challenges that we're facing to refine his church. Okay, think of, think of refining. It, the, typically, it happens under fire, right? <clears throat> and refining is all about making something pure. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by refining, about making something pure? I, here's what I honestly believe. I honestly believe that in this season, we're actually going to see the church shrink. I think we're going to see people take steps away, away from following the way of Jesus and instead pursuing like a, a counterfeit pleasure and a counterfeit comfort. But we know that true pleasure and true comfort is only found in Jesus. Now, I mentioned that I really do believe that the church is going to shrink in this season due to all of these circumstances, but here's what I'm equally convinced of. I'm equally convinced that the church is actually going to get stronger in this season because I believe that there are going to be people in light of all these circumstances that are going to be pressing into God. They're going to be taking steps towards him, moving closer to him, more intimacy with him, more love for God expressed through obedience. Remember the words of Jesus. He said, if you love me, you'll what? You'll obey my commands. Not I'll love you if you obey, but no, if you love me, the, the result of that is gonna, you're going to obey me. And I really believe that there's going to be a season where we're in this season, I believe now, where the church is going to shrink, people are going to fall away, people are going to step back and drift away and pursue other things. And there's also going to be a, a significant amount uh, of the church that presses in that moves towards God, more intimacy with him, and not expressed through loving obedience. I want that for our church, and I believe that's where God is taking us in the future and even now. So <clears throat> here's the thing. This idea of being close to God, that's impossible without prayer. Martin Luther, you know, famous reformer, he puts it this way. He says, quote, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Those are strong words, but I believe them with all of my heart. So this series that we're starting today, this series will be an opportunity to strengthen your and my relationship with God. Okay? And prayer, hear me say this, prayer is the most important element in a Christian's relationship with God. 
So, so whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or 50 minutes, or you're not a Christian, you're just kind of like investigating things, wherever you are at on that spectrum, this series, like I said, it has a goal. This series is designed to help each of us grow in intimacy with God through prayer. So we're going to cover a bunch of different things in this series. We're going to cover uh, contemplative prayer. We're going to cover intercessory prayer. We're going to cover like prayers of petition, which is essentially just like requests and asking God for things, right? We're going to cover confessional prayer. We're going to cover a bunch of stuff, okay? But today, we're going to kick things off. What we're going to do is we're going to lay a foundation of what prayer actually is, okay? If we're going to, if we're going to grow in prayer, we kind of need to know what it is. And to do that, we're going to kind of jump into the, the scripture, like I said, in, in, in two different locations today, primarily in Luke chapter 11 and in Matthew chapter 6 as we go through the Lord's Prayer, okay? So before we jump into the scriptures, I just want to take a moment, and before we dive into this series on prayer, I think it's appropriate that I pray. So wherever you're, wherever you're tuning in, if you join me, that'd be wonderful. So let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit. I invite you now. Um, you are transcendent. You're all-knowing, all-powerful, God. Um, you're omnipresent. So wherever um, my friend watching us, wherever they're tuning in, I just pray for your presence on them now. I pray for your presence on me. Um, pray for your love and grace to be on display. Would you teach us to pray? That's what we're calling this series, that for a reason. We, we want to look to you, Lord, we want you to be our teacher, Jesus. Spirit, help us, guide us. We love you, we need you. Amen. Okay, so before I jump into scriptures, again, I think it's gonna be helpful. We need to define what prayer is, okay? And oftentimes, maybe you've heard this before, prayer can kind of be synonymous with this idea of talking to God. And that's great. Maybe you've heard me say this before. If it's review for you, that's, that's fine. It's important, though. I'm going to say it again. Prayer is more than just talking to God. That's certainly part of it. It's a, it's a really important part of prayer. But it's not limited to talking to God, okay? What I want to do is I want to propose to you a, a maybe a more helpful definition for prayer, okay? And my basis for this is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Now, if you're anything like me, memorizing scripture can be challenging, but it's always great when you come across a really powerful verse that has like one or two words in it, <laughs> okay? This is one of those verses. There are two words in the, in the Christian Standard Bible translation. There are two words in this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. This is the entire verse, two words. Pray constantly. Pray constantly. Now, we're going to define prayer here in just a moment, but that word constantly, constant, ongoing, all the time. Some translations say pray without ceasing. It's this idea of not stopping. Okay, so listen, if prayer is just limited to talking to God, if we're going to obey, this is the Apostle Paul writing this, okay? If we're going to obey the Apostle Paul's direction to pray without ceasing, to, to pray constantly, to pray without stopping, is what he's saying for us to just talk to God all the time, every day, every moment, like, that's not what's happening here, okay? Are we supposed to forever kind of bow our, eye, or bow our heads, close our eyes, and engage in this never-ending conversation with God? 
Prayer is more than just talking to God. It certainly involves that, but it's much more. Uh, you've heard me tell this story maybe in the past, but I'm going to say it again for those who maybe haven't. I want you to imagine with me. I want you to imagine that you're going on a trip. Okay, so you pack your bags any place you want. Let's say we're all, in, most of us have been in lockdown in different stages of quarantine with this pandemic. The thought of going away on a trip sounds amazing. Many of you hitting the road, going on road trips and stuff with your family, it's beautiful. But imagine you're going on a trip. Okay, and imagine you're taking an airplane to get there. So maybe it's an island vacation or it's someplace exotic and foreign and wonderful. You, get your, you pack your bags, you go to the airport, you hop on your plane, uh, this, you pass out, hopefully you're falling asleep on the airplane and you finally touch the ground. Your plane lands. So you quickly get off the, get off the airplane. If you're like me, it's semi-claustrophobic, like I wanna get out of here. You grab your bags <clears throat> from the turnstile, you know, the baggage claim and you, you stand in line to get, grab a taxi or an Uber to take you to your hotel or wherever you're gonna stay on your vacation, on your trip. So I want you to imagine you get inside this taxi. And when you're in that taxi, there's a nice man behind the wheel and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's driving you back to your hotel. Listen, when you're inside that taxi, there's a bunch of different things you could do. You could listen to the radio. You could look out the window and check out the sights. You could strike up a conversation with the driver. You could do a bunch, there's so many potential things for you to do when you're inside that taxi, okay? But listen, whatever you do inside that taxi, you are sharing an experience with the person behind the wheel. You are sharing an experience with the driver. When we talk about prayer, prayer, like figuratively speaking, is being inside the taxi. But the nice man behind the wheel is God, okay? Everything that you do, a shared experience with, with that driver, whether it's looking out the window or listening to music, whatever. So here's my more helpful definition for prayer. Prayer, simply, is engaging with God. It's being in the taxi. You can engage with him in everything that you're doing, anywhere, everywhere, at all times. Some of that involves communication, absolutely, where you're talking and listening. It's both of those things, talking and listening. It's a conversation, it's a relationship, right? But prayer, you can engage with him while you're cooking dinner. You can engage with him while you're at work. You can engage with him as you're drifting off to sleep. You can engage with him while you're doing anything and everything everywhere that you are. Prayer is engaging with God. It's like being in the taxi. So, as we go through this series, we're going to look to Jesus to teach us how to pray, how to engage with God constantly, without ceasing, not stopping, everywhere we are at all times. It's this life of being close to God everywhere, not living like a compartmentalized life, as many of us um, are tempted to do and drift and, and, and do that in different various ways. Not compartmentalized, not like, well, I, I engage with God when I'm at a church gathering on a Sunday, and then it's kind of like, well, he kind of is in the back seat, and I'm not really, no, get in the taxi with him at all times, engaging with him at all times. So if you have a Bible nearby, go ahead and grab it. We're gonna, we're gonna start today in Luke chapter 11. 
Okay, so what I want to do here is I, I want to merge Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer with Matthew's account. Okay, so we're gonna, like I said, we're going to start with Luke uh, to kind of set things up, and we're going to jump over to Matthew because Matthew kind of has a little bit more detail, and I think it's going to be more helpful. Okay, so Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, says this. He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and when he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Sound familiar? Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. Okay? So, that's Luke's, that's kind of the intro. Right after this, Luke goes into the Lord's Prayer. Okay? So now I want to jump over and pick things up from that point, jump over to Matthew chapter 6. Okay? Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Okay? This picks up right where we left off in Luke. Lord, teach us to pray, right? And then verse 5. The words of Jesus now. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have your reward. He's talking about the Pharisees here. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they ima imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. And here comes the Lord's Prayer. Verse 9, therefore you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. CSB says, your name be honored as holy. Now, your name be honored as holy, or hallowed be your name, the kind of more traditional translation. That word hallowed, it's just talking about supremacy. Like, Lord, you are supreme, okay? <clears throat> now listen, I want to cover a handful of things here um, before I let you go. But the first thing that I want to touch in that we see in this passage is that there are prayers that God rejects. And it's very clearly spelled out here, okay? In verse, er, yeah, in verse 5, when it talks about whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, like the Pharisees, because they love to pray standing in the, in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. It's this idea of like boasting prayers, okay? God rejects boasting prayers every single time. It's like when you perform to look good in front of people using eloquent words and like you, you really... You, your, 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 your heart posture is not to engage with God. Your heart posture is to impress people or to look religious. Boasting prayers, to impress others. And listen, we've all seen this. And frankly, many of us in the church have done this. Have you ever been like maybe in like a circle of people and you're going to pray and you're like, oh, what am I going to say? Like, I don't want people to think I'm, you know, that I don't love Jesus or that I, I don't want... Now your heart is literally just moved, and it's, it's, it's directing all of its attention on what other people think of you. It's that same kind of thing. Instead of just engaging with God, it becomes more about how I look in front of other people. And it's this idea of like, there can be pride either end of the spectrum there, okay? It's boasting prayer. Like I said, we've all done this. I'm assuming you're just like me. You've done it too. We want to look good to others. That's the first thing that the, the first kind of prayer that God rejects is this boasting prayer. The second kind that we see in verse seven is this idea of babbling prayers. People will go on and on. He actually references the Gentiles here, the non-Jews. 
says they think they're going to be heard for their many words, okay? And what's happening here with like a babbling prayer, an on and on repetitive prayer where you just keep going and going and going, is that at a heart level, babbling prayers, they're based on performance as well. It's as if God's going to answer our prayers more favorably based on how eloquent or how long they are. Okay, how many words we use, on and on and on, babbling. Now again, we've all seen people do this. Okay, I've done this so many times. We've seen it, we've done it ourselves. Listen, oftentimes, friends, the best prayers sound something like this. Help. Show me Jesus. God, where are you leading me? God, heal this person. Simple, straightforward, not concerned with what other people think about you, whether positive or negative, not running on and on and on and on, but simply engaging with the God who already knows the condition of your heart, mind, body, and soul. There's no need to, no need to babble. And listen, <clears throat> oftentimes, people will ask God for something, like, and they'll, they'll kind of they'll, they'll babble on, and then they never actually like listen, engage with him by listening to then receive from him. Or if they do, they kind of hold God to their timeline. I've been guilty of this myself. Hold God to their timeline. What I mean by that, like, you'll, you'll, yeah, maybe you will listen, but you listen for 30 seconds, and then you kind of move on. But remember, prayer, it's engaging with him. It's a, it's a relational thing. God wants closeness with people. He does. Not because he lacks something in himself, but because he's the most beautiful, satisfying, amazing thing, and he wouldn't be loving if he didn't share himself with us. God rejects boasting prayers and babbling prayers because, hear me say this, at a heart level, boasting prayers and babbling prayers, they violate the very cornerstone of prayer which is my next point. The cornerstone of prayer is engaging with God as Father. Okay, we read it a bunch here. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Okay, verse eight, don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. And then when Jesus says, pray like this, and He gets into the Lord's Prayer, the first line of the Lord's Prayer, therefore you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. That language, that Father, it's, it's the word Abba, it's like, it's really close daddy type language. Not like a distant Father, but like the perfect, loving, close Father. The cornerstone of prayer is engaging with God as Father. Um, recently, I, uh, I took, like, I had a little getaway um, to the south, <clears throat> to, to Nashville, Tennessee, and got to spend some time with um, a, a really close friend and, and made some new wonderful friends. And um, it was a bit of a, I don't know, just a bit of a rest for me. It was really, really enjoyable. And one of my new friends, um, we're sitting kind of doing the, the, the perfect like kind of southern summer night thing where we're on the back porch just kind of gathered around enjoying each other having great conversation and laughing and, and with a new friend and and his wife <clears throat> actually shared one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard in my life okay she talked about how on a recent trip 
they, they had been doing some kind of family tree investigation and some research into discovering kind of, you know, who her, grand, her great-grandfather was and her great-great-grandfather and kind of putting together her family tree. And her family's from Scotland. So they had the opportunity to actually go to Scotland and visit the region where her ancestors were from. Like, it's so cool. I think all of us would love to do something similar to that. So she goes on this trip, her and her husband. Okay, they go on this trip. And they're, they're, they're cruising around the region, you know, and having a great time. And they, 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 they find this, this beautiful lighthouse, you know, and, and so they go and they check it out. <clears throat> they're on vacation, they're exploring, you know. So they go and check it out. And attached to the lighthouse is this ancient kind of library with all these ancient manuscripts and documents and books. And it's all, they're describing it as like, it was like something out of a movie. They walk and then there's this, uh, just like in a movie, there's this kind of little old man who's, who's managing the, the, the facility, the space. And they explain to him, yeah, you know, we're here on vacation and we're, you know, we're learning about, <clears throat> um, we're learning about our family tree or her family tree specifically. And, and he's like, okay, like your family's from around here. What, who, you know, share with me, like who, who, who are you, who do you know is your, is your ancestors and stuff. So she starts sharing the names because she's been doing, she's been doing research and parts of her family have been doing research. So she starts giving him, you know, grandfather's name and great grandfather's name and great great grandfather's name as far back as she could go, several generations. And, and she's sharing this with him. And he's in this, you know, this, this room attached to the lighthouse that has all of these documents. And all of the documents had to do with the people who inhabited that region hundreds of years prior. And so she tells the story, like as she's giving the names and he's, he's, he's looking up the different names, trying to find them in the books. This little old man has his glasses, and he takes his glasses off, and he sets them down, and he looks at, her eye, looks at her deep into her eyes and says, you don't know who you are, do you? It turns out this woman is of the royal, the royal bloodline. She's royalty. She's nobility. And this man has these documents to prove it. And it transformed the entire atmosphere of that moment for them. She said that the rest of the trip, when everybody, else, like when anybody in that town, in that region, when they discovered who she was, they said they didn't pay for a meal at a restaurant the rest of the trip. They said there was like different sites to see and different old churches and cool different places they'd cruise up and it'd be closed and those people would discover who she was and they'd let her in and she'd have free reign to check out whatever she wanted. There was even one one person who was facilitating kind of one of the facilities who found out who she was and said, oh, you can, do, you can do whatever you want. Like, I work for you. She'd never been there in her entire life. You see, she had privilege and she had access. Friend, the biggest reason Christians don't pray is because they don't know who they are. A Christian is a child of God. Almighty God, the God of the universe, creator of all things. A Christian is the royal bloodline of the king of the universe. 
The Bible uses the language of adoption. It's this beautiful reality of, of God choosing a child, a son or daughter. He sets his affection on them and chooses them and adopts them into his family. Ephesians chapter 1 describes it this way, starting in verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Listen to this. For he chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. Before the beginning. Chosen to be holy and blameless in love before him. Listen to verse 5. He, God, predestined us to be, what does it say? Adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. This reality of adoption is one of the most beautiful things ever. I have a buddy who's adopted, and I remember him talking to me about it, what was it like growing up being an adopted child, and, and I remember asking him, like, what was it like <clears throat> knowing that you were adopted and that your siblings weren't adopted? Like, was that kind of weird? Like, you know, they're biological kids, you're the adopted kid. Did that create anything? What was that like for you? And you know what he told me? He's like, it was amazing. And I'm like, I wasn't expecting that, you know? He goes, it was amazing. I'm like, oh, well, why was it amazing? And he goes, because my parents chose me. They, they, they selected him. They set their affection on him. They chose him. And him becoming aware of that and internalizing that, it did something profound to him. Guys, do you know what this means? It means that you have unlimited access to Almighty God. You have his ear. Like, <laughs> do you know how insane that is? Do you know how insane it is that, that, that God would listen to me or to you? And listen, not just that he listens, but that he loves with an unparalleled fatherly love. That's the gospel. It's the good news that we rejoice in and treasure and cherish that God put on flesh in the person of Jesus comes to earth, a place that has unequivocally rejected him. He comes to live the perfect life that you and I never could and to die the death that we deserve in our place. He, he gives his body and his blood to purchase you from the bondage of sin, the slavery to sin, purchase you out of that to what? To bring you into God's family forever. And all you have to do is trust that it's true and receive. Receive what? John chapter 1 tells us. John chapter 1, starting in verse 12. But to all who did receive, what does it say? But to all who did receive him. Him. Not, not information about him. Not even doctrine. Not even apostolic teaching. No, but all who did receive him. He gave them the right to what? Be children of God. 
all the rights, all the privileges, all the access to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. God's will, God's doing, his plan. So listen, what this means is it means that the Christian has all the privileges of a son or daughter. And hear me say this, the greatest privilege, the most amazing privilege is knowing him, him, being close to him, engaging with him. You get it? It's all about engaging with him. So are you starting to see why Martin Luther said something as wild as to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be, a, to be alive without breathing? The point of Christianity and the point of prayer is to engage with the gracious, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God of the universe. And it's this God who dearly and completely loves his children. Like a perfect father. He loves his chosen child. There's nothing more beautiful than that. So listen to me. If you get this part wrong, if you don't know who you are, you will make the same mistake that the Pharisees and the Gentiles make in this passage. You will boast, or you will babble, or worse yet, you won't engage at all. But, if you see God for who he truly is in all of his spectacular glory, and if you see how who he is informs everything about who you are, dude, you will pray without ceasing. You will pray constantly. You will engage with him anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Like when you sin even, when you sin, you will run to him. You won't run away from him. You will engage with him. You won't be distant from him. When you're in need, you will cry out to him. Listen, in every single moment of your life, you'll do it all with him, engaging with him constantly. So my friend, are you relating to God as Father? For some of you, you don't know who you are, do you? Prayer is engaging with God the Father who loves you completely. Unending love, gracious love. I don't know about you, but I want to engage with him. I want our church to engage with him. I believe that God is inviting us into closer intimacy with who? With him. Knowing things about him are great. But knowing him and being known by him, it's the point of life. And prayer, prayer is vital. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, as the psalmist said, I just wanna, I wanna let my words be few. Teach us to pray. Teach us to be a church that prays, that engages with you, 
at all times that never gets out and that's never that never leaves or gets out of the taxi in every moment engaging with our father in heaven who is supreme in every way who knows everything about us and loves us completely show us holy spirit i believe that you will satisfy the longings of our heart as we pursue becoming a praying people i love you god Amen. Friends, I want to leave you with a challenge this week, okay? I want to challenge you to get in the taxi and to stay in it. Everything that you do, doing it with him, engaging with your heavenly father in all things at all times. And listen, do that and see what happens. Okay? Grace and peace to you. I love you guys. I miss you. Until next time, take care.